Welcome to the Fire and Iron Podcast, where two firefighters search for the knowledge and tools needed to help them become better husbands, fathers, leaders, and people. Hosted every week by Ryan Greeby and Matt Bryan. Welcome back to the Fire and Iron Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Fire Captain Jeremy Sanders. Just a quick little introduction of him. He has worked almost 20 years in the fire service. He currently serves in the rank as Fire Captain and has been in that position for approximately four years. He is married to his wife, Erica. They have seven kids and uh, live on a small farm just outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma area. Jeremy's the founder of Crew First Culture that he started in 2019, and then he also began his podcast, Crew First Culture, in March of 2020. Uh, we would like to welcome Jeremy to the podcast. How are you doing today, Jeremy? Man, I'm good. I don't feel good, but I'm good. I'm, I'm, uh, I feel like crap right now, but I'm excited to get on here and, and kind of meet you guys and, and dig into whatever you're whatever you want to dig into. I, I enjoy what you are both doing, your format of, of your podcast and and what you stand for. And, and so I'm excited to to kind of create a a uh, contact and a relationship with you all. So thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we, we kind of feel the same way. And that's what I, you know, you and I had talked about on the phone the other day is, especially, I mean, we're West Coast, you're kind of, you know, Midwest and it's a lot harder sometimes for us to kind of get out to some of the conventions and and meet other people and kind of inter or interact that different way where Instagram, social media and things like that have kind of helped bring kind of close that loop a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, we had uh different guests on the podcast sometimes that we're not really closely related to in in the same area and so we're excited kind of to continue to branch out a little bit and get different folks on because West coast, we all know has a certain way of doing business, uh, Midwest different a little bit, and then East coast, even, even more different. But yeah. what, what we're finding and what I'm finding, especially when we talked the other day is that a lot of our frustrations within the fire service are all very similar, right? Like we're all oh, yeah. kind of in a, in a different culture and stuff. So I kind of wanted to start out and, and just read through as I was preparing for this and Ryan as well, we were looking through, your website and uh, some of your social media stuff. And so I thought it would just be good to kind of read what your mission is um, and why you kind of founded Crew First Culture. And then we'll dive into some questions from there. Um, So it says, you know, that your mission says to share the importance of value-driven leadership, to spread positivity in a negative world, to add value to as many lives as we can, to share our mistakes and victories in order to help others become better leaders at work and at home. So if you don't mind just kind of giving a, a brief little intro on what prompted you to dive into crew first culture and, and create your platform to be able to kind of spread that message. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And, uh, really it's a, it's a simple answer. If I wanted to, to make it as simple as possible, it's frustration. That's what 
kind of brought me to to start this stuff that's what's brought me to where i'm at right now and you know you if you hear the word frustration it's got a negative connotation and you can definitely take some negativity from that but i've i've kind of come to learn that frustration is a good thing and and it's good if you allow it to be good and and by that i mean what are you allowing that frustration to do are you allowing it to build resentment and anger and and you know all these bad things towards somebody or your department or are you using it to really fuel innovation and inspiration and and take it to you know as far as you can go and so to to get a little bit further into that i I kind of went through a spell a, a growth stage i don't know what you want to call it it's just a a really good stage that that I in my fire service career w- was in is I just I wanted to do good things I wanted to do more you know I've been on my particular department for at that time you know 18 years and so I have a lot invested in it I care a lot about it and I wanted us to be better in certain areas that I know we need to be better at and I I was just kind of hit hitting walls you know unanswered emails or just it it just wasn't going anywhere and and that's where i was at i was in the place of really starting to get frustrated really starting to get angry and and these things i had inside me that needed to come out for good purposes in my mind they didn't have an outlet and it was it was either i am going to either start losing my temper and, and fire off rants and emails and you know things that are going to absolutely tear apart my credibility and and my message that I have to share, or I can find another outlet to, to really put those things to work. And that's kind of where it all started. You know, I started just putting out some posts on Instagram and, and kind of spreading into Facebook and for just the, ah, because I guess I'm on the path that, that somebody else that luckily is, is, you know, put on me, I found out that I really enjoy being a part of podcast. And so as far outside of the realm of, of my, me personally, I started, you know, posting a podcast and this, a lot of the things I'm doing and it, it is honestly so far outside of the character that I have, you know, or the person that I've always been, you know, I've always been deathly afraid of public speaking. I've, always kind of just been the quieter person that listens more than they talk and and not really anybody that is the storyteller or you know the communicator i'm just that's not me and so some of these things that i've done over the past couple years is really outside of the realm of of who i always thought i was but i've really enjoyed all these different things and and really enjoyed kind of the the effect that the feeling of, of being able to help others. And I know you guys kind of share that as well. And so that's, that's really kind of the, the cliff note version of kind of how it started, I guess. No, perfect. And I think one of the um, things, like if you look on your website and one of the things that you kind of have as, as a logo or as a mantra, I guess, is stay humble and do work. Right. And to me, I really like that idea and that mentality of, it's almost exactly like to me that that's kind of a saying that um, 
I'm counting. I'm, I'm at a loss for words what I'm <laughs> thinking of here, but um, <clears throat> it's sort of the peak of where you were, right? Like you were frustrated and you didn't want to lose credibility, right? That was a note I just took is like, Hey, when we, ha- when we start to get frustrated and we kind of fly off the handle, we're sort of going the wrong direction of any message that we want to share and we want to, you know, bring out to other people. So <clears throat> that is the epitome of what you didn't want to happen. So you had to stay humble and get to work, right? Like, and be willing to put in the work to not lose credibility, but to kind of create change. And did that kind of mantra sort of take, I don't know, kind of start to grow inside of you that, that created, that you created that within yourself to make this change? Uh, honestly, I don't know if there's really, really much change. I mean, that, that, that saying is kind of just who I am. You know, I'm, I, it's hard for somebody to say I'm a humble person. It, it kind of goes counterculture of what you're saying, but yeah, exactly. I, I, that's kind of who I am. I, I don't like talking about myself. I don't like, I just, I'm not a self promoter, which also makes all of this very hard because you can't have a, a podcast that grows or a social media page or whatever else that grows or a, definitely like a, you know, speaking at conferences or things like that. If, if you don't put yourself out there and, and really kind of somewhat promote yourself, it just doesn't work. And so that's, that's been hard for me to, to find the balance of what's okay and what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not. So, but you know, I, I think for me, a lot of this stuff is, is just who I am, who, who I have become through all the life's experiences, all the, the experiences from work and, and really what I'm lucky enough to, to be able to have done over the past couple of years is to finally kind of put some words to it. You know, the, the whole stay humble and do work, you know, it's, it's nothing profound. It's the, the do work. And I, I know there's a lot of people out there that know it. A lot of people that don't, it's, it's just a goofy saying from a uh, reality show, you know, uh, Robin big, I think is what it was. We, we used to watch it at the, the firehouse years ago. It's always do work, son, is, is the uh, the statement. And I, I don't know. I just, I have really gravitated to that statement. I love it. And yeah, okay, it's a goofy saying from a reality show. But really, if if you're if you're staying humble and you're doing the work you need to be doing, that, it, it's, it's pretty, pretty a straight line right there that, that's, that you're doing good stuff. And so that's, I, I just like trying to find ways of, verbalizing what's inside my head and sometimes that's really hard to do and sometimes you kind of fall upon something that really kind of clicks and and hopefully it really clicks with others as well and so that's kind of the game is just trying to find find ways of of verbalizing the the good things that you've learned the mistakes you've made all this stuff and putting it in a package that the most people possible can really you know, take from that and, and it adds value to life. Yeah. One thing we've run into, uh, in doing this podcast is, is it's very hard to share your mistakes. And that's one of your, your bullet points there, uh, within your mission is to share your mistakes in order to help others become better leaders. And, um, that's pretty difficult, right? That's, that's a block oh, yeah. that you run into in the fire service. And not many people are willing to do that because Matt and I have talked before a lot of the fire service, at least from our perspective, um, has a culture of shame built around it where 
that motivates you to not screw up and it motivates you oh, to yeah. do certain things and it, and it's good, you know, that that exists in the military as well. Um, but I do think that there is a, a part of that, that holds us back. Um, can you share, um, how you approach sharing your mistakes in a way that helps the whole team learn and, and how people have received that? Uh, well, I mean, just like we just talked about, I think it starts with humility. If, if you don't have humility, you're not going to be able to do that. You're just not. It's, it takes a lot of strength to sit there and admit, admit that you made mistakes or that you have failed or, or anything like that. It, it, it just, it just does. And so that's probably one of the biggest hurdles. I think that a lot of us kind of face with that. A lot of us are held back from just like you said, just uh, the fear of showing any kind of weakness because as the fire service, anybody that's listening, if you show weakness of any kind, it's going to be hammered. Somebody's going to find something and just peck at it. And for the most part, I think a lot of that is just fun. You know, hopefully it's, 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 you know, more of the, the camaraderie and, and stuff like that. But there's, there's a big piece of all of us that doesn't want to be in that spot. We don't want to be the person that puts ourselves out there to do uncomfortable things because we know on that journey, you're going to fail. You know, if, if you're doing skills that you're not completely competent at, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to look like a goofball sometimes. And so that being said, a lot of us just don't do it. A lot of us avoid all the hard things. A lot of us avoid learning new skills, learning new techniques, uh, just training in areas that we're not necessarily the most comfortable with. And so for me, I think it is so important, especially for leaders. And and when I say leaders, you know, I, I obviously see things through, you know, uh, the officer kind of vision glasses, whatever you want to call it. But I truly believe that it's across the board. It, it It's the newer person that still can lead in some ways, but, but you, you've got to be able to be okay with messing up. You've got to be able to be okay with being uncomfortable, you know, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable. It's kind of you know something that I really try to tell myself over and over and over again. And, and so, you know, the humility is definitely there. And another big one with that is the vulnerability. Just being able to open up and and let other people in to your story, into your life. You know, I literally just a, a week or two ago sat down with my crew and and kind of laid out what has happened over the past year. You know, this it's been a very difficult year for my family, and a few weeks before that, one of the one of my crew members came up to me and say, "Hey, you know, just." just letting you know that some of the guys are asking about you, making sure you're okay and worried about you and all this. And to that point, you no, know, I I'm pretty close with him and, and he knows everything go, that's going on, but I didn't really realize that I was kind of keeping everybody else out of that loop. And it wasn't on purpose. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much an open book, especially with the people that, that I'm close with. I want to be open. I want to create an environment that's safe and, and really so that they can do the same thing that I'm doing is, is opening up and being vulnerable. And so sat down and, and talked about everything. We had a good discussion of exactly what we talked about right here. You know, that, that openness, the, the vulnerability, the, 
ability to to really just be honest with others, especially like I said, the, the people that are depending on us and that we're close to. So all those things, that, you know, it, it's hard. None of that stuff I just talked about is easy, and probably you're going to have to work at it, and and you're going to have to kind of push yourself to to do those things. But and it's it really is critical if you want to to have good solid relationships, and that's across the board, you know, home, at at the firehouse, whatever. And so uh, that's that's kind of the meat of of all that for me. Yeah, I think one of the things on there that <clears throat> you kind of mentioned that I'll share a quick little funny story, right? It's, it's kind of the, the environment that we create, right? Like where we allow ourselves to fail. So the uh, couple of weeks ago, or maybe a week or so ago, one of my fellow captains on the ladder truck were, he was working as the driver and he'd been a, a, a truck engineer for a long time, right? Prior to promoting the captain. And so he was, he was driving that day. I was at the acting captain and we'd gone to, a uh, car accident, you know, with extrication. And there was already plenty of lights at the scene, right? But he didn't flip the generator on and turn the lighting on from the side of the truck to provide extra lighting. It was obviously a night call. And so he's like, man, dude, I lost a step, you know, like just, we were kind of just joking around. So we we're kind of busting, busting chops, right? Well, we got dispatched to a residential ringing alarm and the lady came out to meet us as we showed up. She's like, I'm so sorry. Like this, you know, the smoke detector went off. It's, it's nothing. There's no fire. Well, I hadn't yet given like a report on conditions, right? There's usually two pieces of equipment in our dispatch that would go responding to that. So I clicked the on scene button on our, our computer and I gave like a report that sounded like I was having a stroke. Like it was, <laughs> it was terrible. Right. So anyways, no one said anything, right? No one in the truck said anything, nothing. I canceled the other engine. We go available. We start driving away. Well, I can see in the reflection in this mobile home park that it was during the daytime, but that the code three lights were still on. And I said, Hey, we're going to drive all the way back to the station with the lights on. And he's all, I don't know. Are you going to have a stroke every time you key up on the mic today? <clears throat> and so it was just, you know, it was just a little banter, right? Like inside the cab. Yeah. And, but it, it was perfect, right? Because we had already created this culture and this environment where we're okay to bust each other up, right? Like that's the fire service I've been a part of my whole career. Like we've got to have that sarcasm and the, it's the same thing with sharing maybe the more intimate stuff, right? Like the hardest time to share intimate stuff of what's really going on in our life and sharing our actual mistakes are, is really just that first time. And like, once we kind of break that barrier to entry, and we start to create that environment where it's like, it's okay to share. Now, is it okay to walk around all day and cry about every single mistake we made? I don't think so, right? There is a dichotomy there that's like, hey, we've got to keep it together, but we also have to be able to create that environment where it's like, hey, guys, can we go out and train on this, even as the captain, and say, hey, let's go out and do this today because this is an area of weakness. And yeah, maybe you guys are going to do the work and I just need to say, hey, we're going to go ahead and set up for an aerial pickoff. We've got, you know, worker down up on the roof there. Like, let's just get it all set up. Well, but if I'm not comfortable with my position and my role, I can't just always just tell the guys to go do stuff, right? Like I need, yeah. I want to be the hands-on because, well, one, we can work up and down, right? So maybe I'm the truck engineer that day or the fireman or whatever. So I need to be able to fill in those roles. So I think we start to break that down by just like you're saying, right? Be humble. Admit that it's like, it's okay. Like I'm not going to lose credibility with my crew 
by saying, hey, you know what, guys? It's been a while since we pulled out the airbags. Let's go do some airbag training today. Yeah. And and sometimes we just get... We, Don't be the opposite. Yeah, exactly. You're gain right? credibility. Yeah. 100%, right? Because one, you might just realize too, like, okay, we haven't pulled it out in a while, but I'm still very proficient at it. <clears throat> or we might go, oh, you know, we got a new set of airbags on our truck recently. <clears throat> And the operation is all basically the same, but the dead man is a little bit different. It, it's quicker. It responds faster. A um, few better features on some of it operates at a different yeah. pressure, but the guys on the crew had already done the training with the new stuff. I hadn't. So it's like, Hey, let's pull it out and they can put on a class. Now they learn and grow and yeah. they're going to be able to teach me what the new system is. And so I think so much of that is, is environment and, what do you believe that the reason why that hasn't been a part of the fire service culture, right? Like I'm, I'm guaranteeing probably all of us grew up in a system where just go do this. Cause I told you so. Yeah. Um, so why is, why was it that way? And why do we need to change it? I guess would sort of be my question to, to you on that. Yeah. But honestly, I don't, I don't know if it's a generational thing. I mean, you, you've got, you know, people like us that have, that have been in it a pretty decent amount of time. And the, the people that were there teaching us and, and the older men and women that were there when we first came on are drastically different people than the, the older people nowadays, definitely drastically different than the younger people nowadays. And I think a lot of that has to do with just kind of that generational gap. And it was like you said, that just do as I tell you type mentality and you know maybe maybe that worked back then i'm sure it did but i during my time it's an interesting you know interesting section of of time is that that's when i that's that's the environment that that was there when i came on but obviously things have changed so i've been in it long enough now that i have seen that change or at least a start i don't think it's definitely you know changed yet but man, I, I love it. I love the, the why I love being able to have people that want to know why I just, I just do, you know, and it's, it's so funny. It's, it's always the, the and maybe it's kind of going away now, but the millennials were the problem. Right. And, and now the millennials are like in their freaking forties or, or older thirties. And so, these aren't kids anymore. These are the really the meat of the department or the fire service right now. So hopefully that's gone away. But you know, I, I almost feel like we were blaming the younger crews, the younger generations, but the older generations were really what was holding us back. The older generations of firefighters that didn't really know why, because they were never taught why they were taught do it because this is what I'm telling you to do or do it because this is what we've always done. And so now years later, they're put in roles as leaders, as senior firemen, as, you know, whatever else. And they don't know why we're doing things. And so you get this younger generation of people that that's not acceptable. I, I, if you want to tell me what to do, that's fine, but I need to understand why I'm doing it. And I think that's really where the head bashing has has started right there because those two drastically different 
kind of generational mindsets are colliding. And for me, like I said, I, I love being able to sit there and, and discuss things deeper. I, I don't want to know this is this is how you do the Halligan. This is exactly the placement of the Halligan. And that's it. Tell me, tell me why. Tell me why I don't want to do it a different way because it's going to screw you up or that it's not as efficient or that, man, this is how I was taught. But going to some classes, this is a better way that I learned. No, that's what I want to know. And I want to be surrounded by people that want that same thing. I want to be surrounded by people that want to dig into those little details. You know, one of my driver and friend, uh, that's kind of his thing is, is he loves the details of training. It's not just we're doing this task. It's okay. We're getting into it and we're truly learning what we're doing, why we're doing it, you know, why this isn't the most efficient, but this is and that for me, that that's really kind of the big difference. And, and I don't, I don't know if I answered your question completely there, but I know there is a definite kind of head bashing that's going on there, but I think it's for the best. I think the, the why, whatever you want to call it, the, the people are asking why I think that's going to make us all better if we allow it to, if we don't shut them down and say, shut up because this is what we do that. I, I hate that. I, I want, I want to, to get better at answering this question. If you don't know the answer, go back to the humble. Okay. I don't know, man, I'm sorry, but we're going to learn it or we're going to find somebody that does learn it. And so that for me is, is kind of the, how I'd like to, to wrap up all that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what we both experienced, I think, coming up and, and a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of utility in that, right? Like there are times on incidents where we have to be very direct and there's no time to sit and explain things. But what I think yeah. most people understand is that that has to be paired with the training beforehand or the the right. leader's intent beforehand and knowing what, you know, if Matt's my captain, um, we have a discussion beforehand and, and that's hard with, you know, our department because typically... Uh, we don't have the same crews every day, so that becomes really difficult. But as much as you can, setting up those expectations and communicating beforehand makes that easier. Um, but yeah, typically how I came up was more just the just do this, don't ask questions and not a whole lot of follow up on the other side of that of, of here's the why. Here's why we did that, you know, maybe through AARs or different training and things like that. Yeah. So I think we all can acknowledge that that's important and that's a good segue into kind of the next thing we wanted to talk about is, um, this is a leadership issue, like just straight up. It's, it's, if you want people to do what you need them to do, um, you have to lead and we're getting a lot more content out there and books and things that we can refer to that help us be better leaders. And I know for me, when I became a captain in 2016 and I started reading about this stuff, it blew my mind because I was like, wow, this is like all the stuff that I wish I knew a long time ago. And I wish others had used uh, with me coming up, but um, it's great. So how do you see leadership in the fire service right now uh, at the station level? You know, not just these high level chief officers, but down to the, the captain and the engineer company officer level. How do you see that um, affecting change where you are? Uh, it's, it's spotty. I would kind of describe it as I, I feel like, and you know, the good thing, about doing the things that we're doing, you know, putting ourselves out there and kind of starting to build a network outside of our organization is you start meeting people across states and, and everywhere else. And you start figuring out that 
okay, I'm not the only one facing this issue. I'm not the only one fighting this fight. I'm not the only one frustrated with this. And it's very helpful to, to really have that, that kind of that support system. But I, I think it's, I think we're doing a better job of, of what we need to be doing. You know, the, the whole conversation that we just had about the why and, and either do as you're told because I say it, or let's talk through it and find the best way that those two mentalities, I think if we could get away from that one particular area, we're definitely going to be better off. I, really for me, and this is something I really focus on probably more than anything else. And we've kind of touched on it a little bit already, but for me as a station officer, my one of my biggest goals is to create a culture that I want to be a part of at the firehouse. And and that I mean it's a huge picture. It's a huge ball of yarn that has all kinds of stuff attached to it. But you know, creating a safe environment like we talked about, creating a, an environment that we have fun and we are allowed to have fun. Creating an environment of learning and growing together every day, taking care of each other and knowing that, that we have each other's backs just just being a part of a team that truly cares about each other and spending time together that i i would not function very well on a crew of people that just want to hide all day and be by themselves and lucky luckily for me i'm not i'm with a crew of four other people that we spend pretty much the entire time together until you know we we go to bed and so that's really a big focus of mine. And I think that area, we all need to do a lot better. We all need to do a lot better as far as creating a family environment at work and, and really, you know, getting the most out of that because that's where we spend the most time. You know, it's, it's not on fires. It's not on wrecks that, you know, really the most training we get as officers or leaders is you know, making critical decisions at, at those times, yeah, it's great to have that. But the scariest part of my job is not going into fires. The scariest part of my job is having to sit down with a closed door in my office and have a serious heart-to-heart -heart talk with somebody that I care about because there is something that needs to be dealt with because I don't like confrontation. And so that's just – that's that's – for me, that's the way it is. And so that's really kind of part of this whole process is trying to figure out a way to create an environment that I truly love coming to work in. And hopefully, you know, the rest of my team feel that way too. But man, I I, I do honestly think that, that we need to, to get a lot better with that. You, you talked about, you know, the, the, AAR, the AAR, the after action report, uh, part of, I'm reading and listening to a book, Culture Club, right now, and it talks about you know Navy SEALs having these after-action reports after each mission, and truly being humble enough and and honest enough to lay it out there and say what messed up and and how they can get better. I think there's a lot of that missing nowadays. At least what I'm seeing, you know, it's it's always the hey, you did a great job. Fire went out, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, but there's three things that I saw, saw happening that were awful or that was screwed up. I, I was a part of one or two of them myself. You know, why can't we talk about those things and really use all of this to make ourselves better, make our teams better, to 
really excel and put everybody in a, a place of the best place to succeed. So <clears throat> a couple of things that I had written down while you guys were talking about this is um, that I'll throw to either one of you, right? But in creating that environment that is like the learning environment, the family environment, do you find, um, so part one to this would be, do you find that in creating that environment, I think for myself, man, if I had the environment that I'm working to create as a captain, I would have really, really thrived as a fireman. But um, as one of my co-captains and I've recently been discussing, a lot of times we feel like we get kindness for weakness. I want to create a culture that is more open door policy, right? Not that, but also open mind. I'm sure you guys have heard that, you know, analogy, right? Like the door's open, but the mind's closed. Come on in and share what you want, but you're not changing my opinion, right? Um, But having an open mind, but then sometimes that doesn't necessarily translate into, for me, I always have looked at it like, I don't want to disappoint my captain. I don't want to disappoint my chief officer. If they have to then pull me into the office and have that hard conversation, like you were just saying, Jeremy, then man, they don't even need to have that conversation with me because the, t- the moment they even just tell me that we need to talk, I already know I screwed up. I'm going to internalize that, but I yeah. I'm finding, and I, and I won't say with my own crew because I'm super blessed with the, the crew that I have um, currently, but I have seen that where that, that kindness and that ability for me to want to um, befriend people, get to know them on a more personal level doesn't always translate into them taking action on their own and sort of like, oh, Matt's cool. Matt, you know, oh, he's chill. This captain's a real kind of hard ass. And like finding that balance, do you find that that is a difficult thing to kind of navigate? Is like, where do I create the command presence, but also let them know that I care about what their kid, how their kid did in their baseball game or their basketball game or whatever. Do you, do you, do you understand what I'm saying there? Like, and do you, do you find that as something that is difficult to change within the culture as well? Yeah, for sure. And it, man, it's all personality kind of, it it varies with personalities. If, if you're a, and it kind of sounds like you're kind of saying the same things that I would say myself, if you're, if you would be described as more of a laid back kind of go with the flow officer, but still you care about your people and, and you want to do good things and, and do it right. You can be perceived as somebody that's a little bit of a pushover. And I, I think kind of the, the first area to, to really combat that is just building respect within your, your crew. If, if you build respect and it's through all kinds of things, you know, we, we talked about earlier, the, the training If for me, it is super, super important for me to be involved in whatever we're doing. I don't care if it's pumping an engine, which I will never do. I don't care if it's, you know, pulling a, a, a line, which I probably won't ever do all of these different things that the firefighters and the drivers should be doing and they're training on. I want to be in the middle of that too. I want to use those situations to build respect within my crew and, and to gain, you know, that relationship and and all of that. And so I feel like if you do what's necessary to build respect within your crew, 
that won't be as much of a problem. It, will it Will it still be there? Absolutely. And I've definitely seen that. You know, I, I've seen people that I could have sworn respected me a lot do crap that completely undermines everything that, that I ask of them. And they know that. And it's, it's kind of, it, it's confusing. You know, it's like, I thought that they would try harder to, you know, to, to do the things I ask of them, but it's just human nature. If you get somebody that is that way, you're, and for me, I would kind of describe it as, you know, it's like a, it's like waves almost, you know, we, in the past, I've been a part of crews that had, you know, some members that every once in a while they would either push you or they would kind of just fall off the map and not want to be involved in what we're doing. And and so it's like you you had this this ride of everything's good, and I start noticing, oh crap, here comes the negativity, here comes the you know the the not being involved. I'm gonna have to do something, and I get to a point where it's like, all right, it's today, and I you know freaking have a sit down and and hammer things out and get back into the this is what we do this is why we do it this is who we are and hopefully right the ship and we get back going and you know a little bit later you you start kind of feeling that same thing you start seeing some some deviation you start seeing some drift amongst one or two people and you've got to sit back down and, and get it ironed out back out so I don't I don't know that there's a an answer that is going to completely get rid of that. But I feel like if you do have that foundation of respect, you you're on a good you're on a good foundation to avoid a lot of it. You just got to be vigilant to, to kind of stay on top of it when it does start to drift. Jeremy, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I don't know if you even really realized it, but you said that you associate the problem going on with the team identity. This is not who we are. This is not what yeah. the team does. This is not what our crew does. And I think that's very powerful because if you're approaching that one-on-one -on -one and you're saying, you know, I as an individual am disappointed in your performance, it's like, okay, that's going to depend a lot on that respect that you talked about. But um, I like what you said about associating um, that with the greater overarching um, identity of the team. And that's yeah. much more powerful because you're saying not only are you disappointing me, um, you're going against what this team stands for. And that's when people really start to buy in is when it's like we hold the line on what our expectations and standards are for this crew. And it doesn't matter if that's three people or if that's a battalion or if that's a whole fire department, it doesn't matter. And, yeah. you know, Matt and I are, are, are often trying to talk about how to build that, that team identity. And, um, you know, he wears, I think the hat he's wearing right now is, is his truck company's hat. And, and it starts with that kind of stuff and, you yeah. know, the, the things you talk about and, and do at the station and, and just describing to your people what you're about. So I like that you said that. I think that's an important part of it. That, man. I, so just a little backstory to, to kind of go further into what you just said there. You know, I came to the station that I'm at right now, right at three years ago, a little over three years ago. And I was still very new as a captain, just about six months on. And this station, this crew, which a lot of those guys were switched out in the move, but it was a culture that was broken. It was it was a culture that I knew had to completely be rebuilt and start from scratch, which obviously as a new captain, I had no idea how to do. 
I, I had a vision in my, my head and in my hand that it was written out. And that's kind of just what we worked off of and, and just kind of wins and losses kind of maneuvered our way towards that constantly. But uh, that was one of the, what you just said. That was one of the first things that, that I wanted to do when I got there is I wanted I wanted something to to really help us unite. I wanted something to that would help us build pride in, in what we are and who we are. And so it started out as you know, creating a, uh, a design for a station logo and you know, doing that and, and kind of having t-shirts made with it on there and later on we had some challenge coins made of it like that but that's that was exactly like you just described that was huge for me and for us to have something that bonded us together that that said this is who we are it, you know we're in the the northwest corner of our city and the uh kind of the logo around is a, is a wolf and you know, you know maltese cross and all that and it said you know the west side wolf pack and just that was purpose. That was on purpose because I wanted us to have something that told us this is us. We are a wolf pack. We are a team and we're going to do good things together. And so, yeah, I, I think finding things and I love the hat. I've actually got some hats ordered right now that it should be in in a couple of days. And I'm so excited to, to pass them out. You know, this says engine three on it. And Man, I, I love I love those things so much. The the things that you do as a team to build pride. You know, I put a post out a while back, and I feel like it's so it's so simple, but it's so telling that you know if if you are on, on a crew or shift or department whatever that is lacking pride, then it's it's easy. You just do something as a crew to build that pride. It's there's it's not a you know a a complex scenario that you got to play out there just just doing things to build pride together build the morale that's what you do to to piece this stuff together and and start headed in that right direction when i think it's giving people a sense of that right like it's one thing for you know your station right for those guys to wear uh, a wolf pack shirt or an engine three hat and that's been one of the things that we've really tried to create emphasis at our station is the idea that is cool. You can wear a station two hat, you know, you can wear a Motown's most wanted station hat. Right. But that means more than the hat. It's how do, how do we perform on an incident? How do we perform around the station? You know, somebody comes in to cover our station behind us being out on a fire and the station looks like dog crap. When other people show up there, like that's, that's all, uh, what everybody sees and incorporates into being assigned to station two, right? Like it's not just that it's, I mean, we just went through some rainy season and I'm OCD about the rig looking clean. Well, I think in four or five days, like we washed the ladder truck like three times because it stopped raining for a day. We're not going to drive around in a piece of crap looking dirty ladder truck, right? Like the one that the citizens pay for it. So we need to look professional. Um, but it's not just about being in a clean piece of equipment, right? That That is a representation of us. But it's also when people open up the compartments and everything's completely wiped down and our saws look tight, our extrication equipment's on point. Everything around it is what represents us. Whether or not the bay floors are cleaned, whether or not the station's clean and orderly. And it doesn't mean if you have an old firehouse that it can't be a clean firehouse, right? Like, yeah. and 
So to me, it's, it's getting people on board with all of that, just like the hat you're wearing into the job, right? Like don't just do the job, like be into the job and everything that it encompasses, right? Because it is a reflection of you. It's a reflection of your station. It's a reflection of, you know, my neighbors in my neighborhood, they all know I'm a fireman, right? Like, and people will say like, oh yeah, it's really, we really like having a fireman in the neighborhood. You know, we know if there's an emergency and I'm like, well, I'm like a plumber without a wrench when I'm on. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a hydrant in front of my house, but I can't hook <laughs> yeah. up to it. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like you are a representation of those things. Yeah. So live a lifestyle that is in accordance with that. Right. Um, real quick. And I don't know if you guys have, have thought about this or not, but we were talking about the, the after action reviews right on incidents and probably a couple months back, we had had a fire in the city apartment fire. And most of us were, well, not most of us, but most of the people that were on duty that day were off duty for the fire, right? There was a couple guys that were still there that were on a couple pieces of equipment and we had gone out to just do some building size ups. Like, Hey, if we had a fire at this church or this building, like, you know, where would we ladder the building? Where would our hose stretches be? Where are hydrants? Just kind of doing a, a general like pre-plan, right? And so we, in that, we went back to this apartment fire and did a walkthrough. And I don't know if, if you guys do this much, Jeremy, but I found it super beneficial to actually go back a couple days later when everybody's mind isn't tired, we're fresh, and we can look at the overall incident and go, hey, where was the hose deployed? What were the tactics that were taken? What were what what was done on this incident? Yeah, the fire went out, and like most of the AARs, usually everybody's like, "Yeah, good job, nobody got hurt, everything's great." But there were some true lessons that needed to be learned on this incident, and then we incorporated that into some training a couple of days later of hose deployments up stairwells to landings that that weren't necessarily done correct. I sh- I would say. Um, or, or at least in the best place for this fire that needed to be lessons learned. And so sometimes I think that maybe going back a day or two later and revisiting some of those incidents may be more beneficial to us than like right in the heat of the moment where, you know, even disciplining an employee, right? Like, Oh, let me take a minute to think about this, decompress and detach a little bit. And then I can come at it with a a clearer mind. I, I don't know if you guys have done much of that or, if that's a practice, maybe you guys, man, it's, it's, it's funny that you bring that up, but early in December, one of the, I don't know, first week of December, uh, my shift had a fire. It was actually second due for us, but three of, of our five guys were gone, uh, including me. I was gone. My driver was gone. And one of my firefighters were gone. And so, uh so what happens this this fire was man it was blowing like crazy tons of fire when they showed up end up being a fatality fire uh a, a lot of question marks on some things that that kind of happened how they happened but i wasn't there i i didn't really know what was going on i, I know that the 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 uh, first in station that w- that responded to it is a two company station or an engine or actually a quint it's a quint and a, a ladder truck and I knew both of those officers are solid officers. I didn't have any questions about them you know, doing something stupid, but I didn't know the story. I knew the, you know, the rumor mill stories that go around the, the shift and all that. So a uh, couple of weeks later, it finally lined up to where both those officers were there. 
all my people were there. And so I, I called one of the, the captain up and I was like, man, do you mind meeting us at the, the fire you guys had a couple of weeks ago and, and kind of just, just walk me through it, talk about it. So just, uh, I, I, I'm interested to, to hear what happened, you know, from somebody that was there. And, and so it was, it was very interesting because I, I know these two officers pretty well. They know me pretty well. I would have thought that they're pretty comfortable with me and would feel pretty safe around me. But you could tell right away when we got there that they were very guarded, almost like I was there to uh, to point out their mistakes or to to talk about how, you know, what failed. And so that was kind of when I started feeling that it was like I I tried to really impress upon them and I. I'm not here to pick anything apart. I, I'm honestly here to learn because I I just I want to learn from this situation. And so it, it kind of opened up a little bit. They they got more comfortable a few minutes later and, and we got a good walkthrough and and I, I think we got a lot out of that. But yeah, that's if you're talking about doing things like that, I love it. I think it's a great opportunity. But if it's, it's that, you know, what we've talked about. When you start mixing in other crews, maybe you have a group, a good tight crew and, and trust and, and feel safe together. But you start branching out to other crews and other officers and you, you start bringing in chief officers. And, man, the walls start going up and everybody starts getting itchy. And it's like, all right, what's he up to? What's what's the agenda here? And, uh, man, I, I don't have any interest in that stuff. I don't care i don't have time to worry about you know talking behind somebody's back about what they did or what they didn't do i just want to learn from it and so hopefully hopefully we could do more of that than like you talked about and hopefully that will kind of build safer environments across the board not just within my little group yeah i think one of the things you can do to reinforce that and this is used in peer support when you have a debriefing and someone shares something that's difficult you always make sure that you reinforce that by thanking them for sharing that and, and, and tying it in with the bigger picture and saying, Hey, I, I know that was probably tough to share that. You probably have some, you know, feelings about what happened, but, um, Hey, thanks for sharing that mistake that happened on this fire so that we can all learn for it, uh, learn from it. And, and, you know, hopefully it makes us all better. We, we appreciate that. And that might over time get people to realize that it's not about, placing blame. It's not about any of that. It, it's more about the overall uh, department getting better and learning from those mistakes. Because if we don't learn from these mistakes, I mean, it's obvious we're, we're you know, going to repeat them at some point. So um, just, just, you know, reinforcing and encouraging people to share um, can help for the next time so that they're a little more open. Yeah. And I, you know, just sitting here kind of thinking through some things as you guys are talking and, and Matt, you know, you're bringing up the, the going back to scenes. For us, and I don't know how it is with everybody, but I would imagine it's pretty similar. You, you're at a fire. Once that fire starts, you know, kind of you get in control of it and, and things are starting to slow down. People start peeling off and going back in service. Well, you, you can't have a true, you know, just sit down, talk on scene because by the time you're actually, everybody is able to, to break away from what they're doing and, and get together and talk through it. Well, half or a third or whatever of the people that were there are already gone. Well, the way we do it is, you know, you, 
usually on the next shift, we'll have a now there's Zoom meetings. You you have a Zoom meeting, and you go through that you know after action report and listen to the radio traffic and things like that, which is good. But I still think you're missing a lot. I I think that and and like I said, this is kind of a new thing that just popped in my head. But I think if you bring those after action reports to the scene and actually are there where it was happening so that you could walk around as you're discussing these things or, you know, show everybody that this is the tree that screwed us up because it was right in a bad spot with our line or, you know, whatever it is. I think that it is such a great tool that we probably need to use a little bit more is, is really getting back to where it happened and having that context as we're talking through it, not just in a, you know, over a, a zoom meeting, listening to radio traffic and, not really having anything to look at while people are talking. So that's a great point. Yeah. And I think along with that too, for me, like we had a fatality fire a few months back and it was, uh, there were, there was a lot of things that actually kind of played into it. Um, that it only said there was one victim trapped. It didn't say anything about the sheriff's department. We're already pulling people out of the house prior to our arrival. Um, so we just got it as, you know, one kid left in the, in the house. Right. And we were coming down the street. Our engine at our station had been um, already sent on a medical aid. I didn't hear their radio traffic, but they were trying to get assigned to the fire. Right. Going, Hey, we're kind of on this junk call with the cops. Like can, you know, the ambulance company come and we get kicked loose and, and a whole lot of other things that happened. Right. Uh, where I thought I, you know, I was telling the guys as we were coming down the street, it was in somebody else's district and I hadn't seen them pull onto the main street yet that we were going to turn off of. And I said, Hey guys, so we're on a ladder truck with no water. Right. And you can see a legit header coming off of this thing. And I said, Hey, we're first man, like two up, two down. So my fireman, the inside fireman and I were going to grab our can and, and go in and perform search. And my other two guys were going to go to the roof, start putting in a hole. Right. And they, the engine pulled like right in front of us. They got on scene first. They didn't realize that it was the ladder truck behind them. So that company officer passed command, assuming, you know, they were just going to pull a line, go inside. And so just a a lot of different factors that had kind of gone into this incident, right? Which later to discuss that the good thing that happened there was our chief officer. We did a debrief like Ryan was talking about because it was a fatality fire. We did find the my fireman was able to find we kind of went in and did a search. I went left. He went right. And he, he found the kid. And so, you know, obviously we wanted to do a debrief and, and it was a great time and we were all able to talk about it, what went well. Um, but until a couple of days later and, and start processing these thoughts is, man, I probably could have done a better walk around. I probably could have found a better point to go into the structure. I probably, and not that anything would have changed, right? When we went into yeah. the house, I mean, it was, I think my tick said it was like a thousand degrees or something, right? Like totally untenable environment for anybody to survive in there. So I don't think the outcome would have been any different, which was at least comforting, but we needed a line in place to go in and, and affect a rescue. Right. And, but even just thinking about that in hindsight, a couple days later where you're not so tied to the incident and the emotion of, of a fatality fire to me made me be able to, think about that. Right. And then it was actually cool because same thing you did to those other guys, a buddy of mine called and they were gone covering a fire station out in the desert. And he said, Hey dude, can we get together 
tonight, meet up over at Circle K or something and grab a soda and, and talk, you know, I'd like to hear how the incident went. And so it was awesome because it's like, here's a crew who didn't get to go to the fire, but he wanted his firemen and himself as a company officer, what decisions were made. You know, I've never walked up to go into a house, stepped over, you know, three burn victims laying on the front lawn, telling my chief officer, you know, I see truck twos. uh, I've got three burn victims on the front line. We're going in. Like I've never had to make that call. Right. So lots of lessons learned, lots of things to, to kind of go over in that, that were, you know, way more clear for me a couple of days after. And so I think sometimes we can, we can not only just tie this into the fire service and where we can get better with those after action reviews. But I think one of the things we fail to do as firefighters is utilize all these skills that we talk about in our personal lives, that it's not just the fire service, right? Like, are we doing AARs with our family? Are we um, detaching and and revisiting maybe a tough conversation with a kid or with a loved one, you know, with our, with our wife after the fact, right? Once we've kind of decompressed and maybe realized we didn't handle a situation good, are we going back and, and actually doing an AAR with our family, um, which kind of leads us into another topic of family balance, right? One of the big things that Ryan and I push, and I know that that's one of your mission statements as well, is kind of creating that within our families. Or you run that tough call at work, and so you come home and you're a little bit detached from your family because that incident may still be on your mind. But if you haven't shared that with your family member, uh, with your wife, or even with your family, you might start to kind of react different to them because your head's not in the game yeah. for kind of re-entry, right? Back into that other environment where they've just been doing homework and going to sporting events and doing, and for you, like tending to things on your farm. Um, how are you working on that side of it? How, how have you <clears throat> been able to kind of implement some of the tools that you're learning at work with your family? And for me, balance is, gosh, it's a constant struggle. It, it is something that I seem I seem to never really have a good handle on it. It's always one way or the other, or, you know, however many ways you're splitting it up. I never feel like I've got a good grasp on that. Uh, you know, we talked about kind of the the journey of of where I've been in the past couple of years and and that's really been the underlying theme of that. And, you know, the 2020, when I was doing most of the stuff, that was, that was like what I had to focus on because I enjoy doing these things. I enjoy feeling like I'm helping somebody, you know, through social media or podcasting. And so it's easy to gravitate towards things like that, where it's adding, you know, a, a lot of self-worth and, and confidence and things like that. And so I would find myself spending a lot of time doing it and kind of starting to neglect the things I need to be doing at home. And, and you know, we've had lots of conversations with my wife about, all right, you're, you need to kind of look at things again because you're, you're spending too much time doing this and you might not even know it. And so it's, it's been a struggle for me because I don't know if it's just my personality or what, but it's hard for me to maintain you know, staying on top of things. Last year it was almost the opposite. Last year, I I have I didn't do much podcasting or or social media stuff the whole year, 
just because that the family issues that we were going through was just it was it was taking every bit of the energy I had and time. And so, you know, that not that that's a bad thing, but it also put me kind of a, a a little bit of a more empty cup because I wasn't doing this other stuff to kind of keep me full and going. And so, yeah, balance is hard, man. It's and and the thing about that too is once you think you have control over it, something changes, a little bit of a change, you know, like you know, uh, doing the social media and the podcasting. Well, now uh, an opportunity arises to speak at conferences. That's a whole nother just kind of chapter of your life and area that is going to either take away from something good or take away from something bad or whatever else if you don't intentionally kind of monitor that. And so kind of when that when that came about, I had to I had to kind of step away from a few things so that I could put some time into creating classes and and doing things like that. So yeah, it's I am no expert at all. I I would say that I am very below average at best at kind of monitoring the balance of, of life and family and work. But it is something I definitely I I know I need to work on. So I continue to to try my best to watch that. So that's that's the good thing about, you know, I guess for me is is that I at least know it's a problem and I, I try to kind of be intentional about it at least. Yeah, I think that's one of the big things. Um, you know, very interesting. So if we if we take some of the stuff that we have talked about, right, and we kind of pull it all together. Well, you had kind of a divided crew, right, at work when you got there. Uh, kind of a bag of misfits, if you will, for lack of better terms, that all kind of came together. And what did you do? You walked in there with a vision. You created buy-in to what what the mission was and and why you wanted to to do this, right? Why you wanted to create a station environment that was going to be conducive for learning and growing and all these things together. I think sometimes, and I don't know if it's a, just a manly trait, but then we are are very piss poor at going why am I not doing that same thing in my family? Right? Cause if yeah. your wife is on board with the mission that is crew first culture and what Jeremy brings to the fire service, well, why are, why are we going to focus so much on creating that environment at work and we're not creating that at home and then finding that same balance, right? Where my wife knows 100% like doing a podcast and trying to put forth time and effort into this, that it's going to take a little bit of time away from the family. Usually we, try to record this when, you know, kids are at school and I can, I can dedicate a little bit of time to that. That's usually when like, I'll go to jujitsu or play golf with a buddy or, or something when it's not going to take real time away from the family. But I think sometimes we're just very poor at creating that. Right. And this is something you and I talked about the other day was some of the things that are less talked about, right? Because it's not as sexy to talk about, you know, cutting cars apart and putting holes in roofs is really awesome and fun to train on and really cool. But talking about, Hey, Jeremy, you know what, man, I've been noticing, dude, you, you kind of been coming into work a lot lately and saying that things aren't, aren't good at home. Like, are you, are you, is your vision not aligned with what your actions are at home? Like, and, and being able to use those same tools that we're doing to get aligned in line at work aligned in our home life. And I think if we, kind of view 
Um, not that we run our homes like a fire station, but fire stations are very orderly, right? Like we have a pretty set routine. We're going to do breakfast. We're going to do cleanup. We're going to do training. We're going to take lunch. We're going to run errands. We're going to PT. We're going to have dinner. We're going to have down. Like our, our day is pretty lined out, right? But then at home, sometimes we're always like, oh, but it's this. And then we're, we're over here putting out spot fires all day instead of running our home like an organization. And so yeah. I don't know, maybe that is something you have thought about or haven't thought about, but I think it's a tool that we can all utilize a little bit better is that structure and that vision for our families and, and then also understanding time differences, right? Like I've got three kids that I have at home. Ryan and his wife are expecting their first in a couple months. And so him and I've had that discussion, like, sorry, man, today was just a mess. Like I didn't get a chance to do anything, right? Like I've been over here putting out spot fires, right? Um, and, and he, and he has to have compassion for me on time and effort that I can put into something and, and be humble enough to accept that. So I don't know, is that a tool or something that you've even considered is running our lives a little bit that way? I think there are definitely parallels in the areas that I struggle with at work and the areas that I struggle with at home. And that's that's very easily seen if I sit down and kind of look at, at, at what's going on and what I need to work on. You know, I, I, like I said earlier, am a conflict avoidant type personality. That is one thing that I knew going into formal leadership that I had to clean up. I had to minimize as much as possible. And yeah, I put a lot of focus in that, but at the same time, I was completely ignoring the fact that I was doing that exact thing at home and not really putting anything into that. You know, I was putting a lot of the, the, uh, responsibilities of of disciplining and consequences and all that on my wife and just kind of avoiding it. And that's, that's not all right. And so, yeah, that's, that's a big area for me that, and I like, you know, the stuff that we, the stuff that I like to talk about, the stuff that, that you guys like to talk about on your, your podcast, the awesome thing about that, we're not talking mainly about tactics. We're not talking about, you know, techniques of different skills. We're talking about you know, life lessons. We're talking about character traits. We're talking about making ourselves better. So that being the case, it's very easy to take these things and, and just spread them across your life. You know, not only making myself better at work, hopefully, but hopefully the same is brought home. But like I just talked about, if, if you don't really pay attention to kind of the, where that, that, uh, those intentions are or where the energy is is going it doesn't just work on its own it it won't go across those platforms of work and home on its own you've you've got to really focus as much at home as you do at work and and that's something i've definitely learned that if if i feel like i'm getting better at work and and kind of gaining confidence because of that that has no direct correlation of how I'm doing at home as a leader, as a spouse, as a parent, unless I make it that way. And so that, that's been a big lesson for me is it, it just doesn't happen on its own. You're going to have to really focus on 
on spreading those lessons and, and all that across the whole platform. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and I think that's, it's easy to measure, um, our successes at work, right? It's easy to yeah. say, you know what? We did all these host polls, host poll evolutions. Um, we went out and trained on this and we went to this incident and we crushed it, right? Like it's, it's, it's very tangible. It's very obvious, but the hard work is, and, and, I love listening to the podcast that uh, like on the weekly scrap podcast where, uh, you know, somebody will be on there and they talk about ventilation or they talk about, you know, nozzles and hose stretches. And I've taken th- yeah. that information back and and talked about it um, with, with guys at work and, and implemented into some of our training and stuff like that. And, and I, I completely enjoy cause I'm into the job, just like your hat says, man, like I, I'm into the job. Like I love, absolutely being a fireman like it yeah. it is it is an identity thing for me as well but at some point i'm going to retire and if all i've ever been into is the fire service and not into my life well yeah. then i'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to put out all the spot fires i created by not putting stuff into my my life and and that's a scary thing for me right oh, yeah. like you got something what's that you, you sat forward like, like you, oh, you were no. like, oh, like- <laughs> I just like that. I, I agree with you completely. And it, it was kind of just, it's so true. Like if we're, if we're not paying attention to these other areas in our life, um, you know, there's, there's going to be problems. Right. And, and that's a lot of what we talk about is, is that balance part is so hard because sometimes you're hyper-focused at work and, you know, maybe you're held on or forced a few days. So your whole week is work. And then, you know, there's things that at home that need to be addressed. Then you come home and, you try to do that and something's going on at work and it is back and forth. And, and along with that, those aren't the only two areas of our lives, right? There's what we want to do personally for our hobbies. There's our personal growth that we want to attend to. There's our physical fitness. There's all these things in different areas. There's our money. There's, you know, things that we want to pursue. And, you know, we, we will continue to talk about the balance part because I, just like you, Jeremy, we're still trying to figure out how to best do that. And, I think I've kind of come to the conclusion that um, balance is just one of those things that you strive for, but you knowing that you're never going to fully attain it and being okay with that and just trying to pay attention as much as you can to those different areas and, and realize, you know, when one of those is really suffering and needs your, your time, energy and attention. So um, yeah, just, I I agree with what Matt said is, is like, don't um, get so involved in one area that you lose sight of all others and then you pay for it later. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, cause we do that all the time, right? We go all in and something and, and that's just the, the nature of the beast, right? Like, and, and so what I'm finding and what I've found to kind of work for me in that is really trying to take a step back and look at the, always try to look at the, the bigger, broader picture. Right. And I think uh, we can all relate to that, you know, as a firefighter, um, our, our vision is about, you know, this wide, right? Like we're, very narrow minded and not <clears throat> meaning that in an, in a negative way. Right. But very task oriented as an engineer. And then especially in our organization, like you're, you're a company officer, but depending on the staffing level, you may be driving for a captain or you may have yourself and two firefighters, or it, it just kind of, kind of varies depending on, on where you're working. But you know, that, that opens up a little bit broader, right? Now you kind of 
have to maybe be an incident commander for a, a time period on an incident till a chief officer arrives. But then as a captain, like you really start to look at things broadly, which I would say the past year and a half now being a captain, it's actually made me see things in my, in my own personal life a little bit on a broader scope of yeah. going, okay, like I've got to, I've got to tend to this. I've got to tend to that. I've got to do all these different things in my life. And it's, it's almost like you lose direction. Like I almost kind of wish I could go back to firefighter mentality sometimes and just be like narrow minded and go, okay, I'm going to do this, this, this. Right. And, but at the same time, I, I see way more development in myself as I take on more responsibility as I don't shirk that desire to want to strive to be a better husband and father and friend and fireman and all these aspects of my life that I think are so important that I think that's kind of what we're, we're talking about here. And it's, and it's awesome the way social media, in my opinion, is that it's like, here we are being able to have this conversation with you, um, essentially a stranger to each other, but at the same time, we can find so much shared information of things that you're struggling with that are things we struggle with that the new hire is going to struggle with and kind of to round it out. I, I sort of wanted you to maybe briefly talk about, um, you were telling me the other day you stayed, stayed after work for a little bit to kind of talk to your new recruit class and maybe just share with us a little bit about what that conversation was about. Um, what you shared with me about them, you know, opening their, their eyes to, the whole fire service around them and kind of what's, what's your sales pitch to the new guy coming in and what to expect in the fire service? Yeah, that, that was a, it was kind of a, it was a good moment. You know, I was thankful to be given a little bit of time with our new recruits and I've got a, a new class that I've been working on. It basically kind of geared towards that person, you know, the, the person that's brand new in the service and really just trying to focus on a lot of things that don't get explained, don't get talked about. You know, the they they learn a lot of skills and and they training and you know, got they've got a four inch thick red book now that they go through for firefighter one and two and on and on and on. But does anybody ever talk to them about the stuff that we're talking about? You know, what it's like to have a bad day at work and go home and have to be a parent at home that isn't having a bad day. Does anybody really talk to them about, you know, some of the things that they can control, like, you know, the, their attitude and, and having an open mind, listening, yes, like everybody wants new people to do, but also not being afraid to, to speak up and, and to start leading where they can, you know, just being, being kind of somebody to give them a little bit clearer picture about what they're getting into, what is asked of them. This is just a great job. I love this job. I can't imagine what I would have to do if, if I didn't have this job, but it takes a lot out of you. It, it will tax your, mental physical emotional self it will it will push you to many different limits in many different areas you know the, the roller coaster of a career is is hard to navigate sometimes you know you're going to have ups you're going to have downs and and how do you maneuver through those things how do you maneuver through crews that might not be the best crews and and 
still protect your passion and your drive to to want to do good things. And so, you know, it, like I said, it was it's a very new class, but I, I feel like there's a lot of need for it. You know, there's we need to be doing a better job of of really giving that overall picture to these people that don't know what they're getting into. Not that we're you know going to talk them out of becoming a firefighter, but so that they can understand a lot earlier why they're here. And that's kind of, you know, the, the, the topic or the, the title of it is why you're here. Why are you here? And for me, you know, one of the biggest things I, I wanted to, to tell them is every new person, when they're asked that, it's basically, I'm here to help people. Okay, I get it. You know, we are. We're here to help people. I'm not saying we're not. But if that's all you have, it's not going to take very many months of sick calls, lift assists, people that have no business calling 911, running on these people constantly. That to help people is going to go out the window because you're not going to care anymore to help these people because they don't need help. You know, whatever. It's it's going to go away. We got to be about a lot more than that. And, and so that's kind of the, the big thing is, and I told them, you know, this is something I don't expect them to, to come up with, you know, one month into their rookie school. This is something that literally took me, I mean, almost probably 18, 18 and a half years to kind of figure out that, Oh, there's, there's a lot more to this that I need to look into. That's a lot deeper for me. You know, it, it's basically three things. You know, I want to make a difference, and that's in the lives of of my crew, my citizens, my family at home, and anybody I can reach outside of my organization. The, the second one is that you know, I want to be able to to enjoy what we're doing and and do good at it, which means I want to learn every day. I want to have that growth mindset that we learn, grow something a little bit every day just to to get our momentum going in that right direction and the third one is just to make the fire service better to do what i can everything i can to make the fire service better for not only these recruits that you know are just starting their career but the recruits 10 years from now that they are starting their career in the fire service that we are leaving them so, you know, it's a, it's a big, it's a big task for us to, to make sure that we're setting them up in the best way. No different than, you know, parents want to really set their children up to succeed and, and give them the best environment for that. So, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, it seemed like they were, they enjoyed it. And there were some, some things that, you know, we just kind of stopped and, and discussed and, and really dug into. So, yeah, it was, it was a good. It's a good time and look forward to kind of seeing where it can go from there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And and that's one of the things that I think, even as you were just talking about that, I was like, man, like how can I maybe figure out talking to our academy staff or something to where, you know, Ryan and I can divide and conquer even he's kind of mid, well, maybe not even middle of the state, but closer to where we do, we do academies for our department in the North end and the South of the state. And to where we can maybe put together a PowerPoint or something to go and talk to new recruits and just kind of share with them the the awesome, cool, sexy side of the job that's fun, but then truly preparing them for 
everything yeah. else that this job entails. And, and you said it correctly, like it, it does take a lot out of you. And if you truly are into the job and caring about what we're doing in the fire service, it, it, it will take a lot out of you and it's going to push you to the limits and you're going to have to really, like I think both of our missions is, is really have to find that balance and be all in when you're on duty, be all in when you're off duty to whatever those things are at home. I can be all in at home and still give a little bit to the fire service, right? Through this podcast, through things I'm going to do, whether I'm answering emails for my employees or different things that, that I can do for them, even when I'm not on duty. And then when I'm on duty, being all in, in the fire service, but then I'm still kind of on duty at home via, via FaceTime or, you know, being there for my wife or the kids on something and just sharing that. And so truly finding that balance as we want to be respectful of your time, obviously, because you're off duty. Um, so to balance your time, uh, what is it that you see? What does the future of crew first culture look like to you and kind of where do you see, see it going and what's, what's the hope for, for what you're doing with it? Man, I honestly don't know. And, and I'm okay with that because, you know, if I would have planned out what I wanted to happen with it when I first started, it wouldn't look like this. It would, it would be no, it would be in no way similar to, to what it is right now. So for me, it's just trying to take advantage of, of opportunities. And it goes back to the whole comfortable and the discomfort thing. You know, even if it's something that comes up that I'm not necessarily comfortable, you know, personality wise or, or whatever with really being able to put that aside and, and take advantage of, of whatever, whatever opportunities comes, you know, I, like I said, I, I really enjoyed the public speaking at the couple conferences last year. And so I hope that I'm able to do a little bit more of that just because I enjoyed it. And so, you know, I, I would like to continue things like that. Uh, podcasting, like I said, 2020 was a rough year for the podcast. It, it was, it was, there wasn't much there. I would like to get a little bit more into it, like to, to kind of not get to where I was because that, that took a lot out of me, but be more, come up with, with things more, a little bit more often and, and keep kind of continuing to, to see where I can grow that. But really, yeah, that it just comes down to that. I, I want to be able to, to do the best I can with whatever I, I have come in front of me and, and hopefully reach as many people as I can and, and add some value to people's lives. And if, if I can keep doing that, it, that's, Man, I couldn't ask for for more than that. As far as you know, my my career side of my life is just being able to to do things that are helping others. And so that I, I hope that I hope that the road is is still a long road ahead of me, and just going to take me where it takes me. No, absolutely. And I think uh, you know, key things that you said right there are looking for opportunities, right? Like. It's okay. And I think that sometimes we, we get into this goal planning and vision mindset and that everything's kind of got to be so structured because when you look at a policy or you look at an SOG, you know, the guidelines for this, everything is very well detail oriented. Um, Ryan and I are, are almost complete polar opposites in this where I'm a little bit more fly off the handle 
um, just go with what's going on. And Ryan is way more structured, right? So even meshing the two of our personalities together with things is, is been great for me having to try to find a little more structure that way. But I think that you're going to be successful if, as long as you're always, and this is for everybody out there, right? As long as we're always looking for opportunities to make something better, we will start to see those opportunities around us far better. And, and I think that's, that's huge. And it's, it's an awesome thing. Um, Ryan, did you have any, you know, other final thoughts or questions for Jeremy? Uh, I'd like to give Jeremy a pass on 2020. I think uh, (laughs) that was a bad year for everyone. So (laughs) fine. Just keep doing what you're doing with the podcast. I know there's times where, you know, we've found it difficult with our, um, you know, our, our schedules and, and home life and stuff. So just keep doing it. I think, um, you know, the most important ones are the ones you record when you're, um, struggling and, and it's good to keep moving and keep going towards those, you know, those conversations that we're having. And I think we're both part of a group of people out there in this country that are starting to have different conversations, um, and put them out there. And I think that's really cool. I think that anyone who's doing that, um, you know, I'm rooting for them. I hope that they keep doing it because it's, I learned from all kinds of different people as I'm sure you do. So I just want to encourage you to keep going. And and I like what you're doing with crew first culture. It's a great message. And, um, you know, it's cool when you see all these people just start to put these stories out here. And I think it will change, um, things for the better, uh, as we, as we go on. But, um, yeah, thank you for, for coming on today. We really appreciate what you're doing and and your insights today. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. Do you have any final thoughts for us, Jeremy, before we kind of wrap up? No, man, I kind of like I I talked to you the other day when we were talking on the phone. I, I look forward to these times just because, you know, I, I know that we're, we're fighting for the same things. You know, yeah, we both have podcasts and, but it's not a competition. It's not like we're, we're competing for, for anything. You know, we need to be able to, to promote each other and, and gain some relationship with, with each other and, and help each other to, to push out the messages that we got because yeah, they're, they're very similar, but we're all different people. And so we're, we're going to speak differently to different people. And so I I love how pretty much anybody that, that is doing the same things that we're doing is always open to, to doing things like this and and building that network and sharing whatever they can to help each other out. It's, it's great. And I, I hope that continues because I enjoy meeting new people that that are, are similar to me and like-minded and and really want to to help each other you know excel so thank you very much i appreciate it and look forward to, to what you guys got coming and and getting a a little bit more insight on just building a relationship with you so thank you yeah no absolutely and and i'm, I'm a firm believer in that is uh you know I, my wife and i and some other co-workers just finished doing the that they're now the standard, but the fit to fight fire podcast, there are 3000 burpees in December where you do a hundred every day. Um, even I, I got COVID on the 28th and didn't feel like really doing burpees on the 29th and 30th, but I pushed through and did them and, and completed it. Um, and we're Ryan and I are the exact same way. Like we're not trying to put anybody else out of business by sharing our message. We, we do a, a good job at promoting other people and, that is the message, right? Is you don't yep. need to, what is it that you don't need to blow out somebody else's candle just so yours burns brighter, right? At the end of the yep. day, 
the message is the same. Um, but I know that different people's, the platform, maybe the way they talk, messages resonate differently for different people and through different platforms. I, I learned that with my wife. She'd tell me something and then I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then like, hey, on Jocko's podcast, it said this. And she's like, I literally told you that same thing like three weeks ago. Yeah, but you didn't have the same like message. It didn't come across well, you didn't the same see way. It like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it, it's just going to be that way of, of yeah. how we're all going to be able to resonate with different people. Um, I've learned a lot today. Um, and I think each of our guests will be able to, to learn. So uh, if you guys are interested uh, in following Crew First Culture, they're on Instagram. Uh, he's got a website link on on his page. And just reach out to to Jeremy, and I'm sure, based on the the brief friendship we've already created, and will continue to grow. That he's he's one of the guys that are out there that are willing to help anybody out that he can share his message and get out there and continue to to make things better. So, on behalf of Ryan and myself and Jeremy, thank you for listening to this episode, and continue to share the message to make a positive change. 